Welcome to another edition of Flick 66, the APU Screen Studies Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Thomas Parham, and unfortunately my two co-conspirators are unavailable this week. So shout out to Professors Nate Bell and Ryan Isay. Guys, you've uh, we're going to miss you. But I've got some awesome student critics with me today, and we have returning guest, Joy! Hi, guys. <laughs> After a semester or two. <laughs> and also our new guest, uh, Tajiana. Yes, hello. And so, uh, not inappropriately, we're gonna, our feature story this week is 2018 Urban Cinema. But before we get there, let's do a little bit of a box office roundup and also talk about some news. Um, how the Grinch stole the weekend with $66 million and a Rotten Tomatoes score just slightly under fresh. Did either of you get a chance to see it? No. Mm -mm. Haven't seen it. I did. I took the family to see it Saturday. Okay. How did you like it? It was adequate. Okay. <laughs> I um, My first reaction when I heard they were remaking it again <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was so soon. But the Jim Carrey movie, was that in the early 2000s? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think, so. I think it was early 2000s. And obviously the original animated version was from like the 60s. So I guess it's not too soon. The twist is this time, instead of live action, it's CGI. Ooh. <laughs> and we have uh, the voice of Benedict Cumberbatch, who seems to be in almost everything these days. He plays the Grinch. It was sweet. I mean, I have a six-year-old, so anything that keeps yeah. anything that keeps the um, Noel occupied and happy for an hour and a half plus, give or take, it's a good thing. There isn't quite enough story for an hour and a half long movie. I mean, they really, one of the ways they overcome that is they they insert a new character, Fred, who is a full-bodied reindeer, <laughs> if you get my drift. So they have some fun with Fred and Max, and then turn, uh, I don't want to spoil that. But anyway, that's one of the ways that they, but it still felt like it was a little bit of a stretch for a feature film. But it's amiable. You know, it it, it it hews a little bit closer to the Dr. Seuss original than the Jim Carrey version. So was this one more like the origins of the Grinch or did it have like Cindy Lou Who? Yeah. Oh, no, it's it's it kind a of a direct replica of the it's it's no it's in the it's an embellishment of this of the an, original animated version okay. so uh it's it's not really an origin story i mean we get we find out why he's got issues with christmas mm -hmm. and you know it's still a redemption story it's heartwarming it's you know it made it made enough money so uh interesting the critics liked it better than the jim carrey version but they still weren't rapturously in love with it <laughs> Uh, they a lot of the a lot of the purists thought that the Jim Carrey version took the Ron Howard directed that by the way mm -hmm. took too many liberties with the story, and I was at Comic Con when Ron Howard showed footage that year, and he said everybody knows how the Grinch stole Christmas, but what they don't know is why the Grinch stole Christmas. Mm -hmm. So this doesn't really go there. It's amiable enough. I you know, it's I'm not the target audience really. You know. The family and we had a good time, a reasonably good time. So it looked good. The voice talent was good. Pharrell Williams is the narrator, yeah. which was kind of which was kind of cool. It's like I kept like I know that voice, <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw Pharrell Williams in the credit. 
Ah, the narrator. I never would have guessed of him being the narrator. He has a nice voice, I'd say. I think I think that he has a nice voice, just like because he produces a lot of music, and so he just I think he has a nice voice. But Plus, I'm very excited he's happy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm very excited to see it. I'm kind of I was kind of turned off by it because I was like Ugh, CGI because I'm such a big Jim Carrey fan, but I'm excited to see what um what I may like better or like what they do differently. On it's it, it's worth a mad day. Mm-hmm. So, um Bohemian Bo Rap, aka Bohemian Rhapsody was number 2 with 31 million dollars. Have any of you seen that yet? No. It's interesting. It's I would argue it's almost critic proof because the critics did not really care for it. Um as a biopic of Freddie Mercury, it has it, it's lacking. I would say I would argue it's more of a biopic of Queen. I love Queen's music. I mean, they were part of. I remember. Uh, I'm dating myself here, but when when Bohemian Rhapsody the song came out, I was in middle school, and then when I was in high school, I have fond memories of. We we used to call another one bites the dust. We had a version called another one missed the bus. <laughs> but uh, and and in. Uh, when I was a senior in high school, the Flash Gordon movie came out and Queen did the soundtrack for that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my take on it is Brian May, who's one of the surviving members of Queen, was a producer on the film. Mm-hmm. And because he participated, we have access to Queen's music. Evidently, there were rumors that the earlier versions of the script were going to straight wash Freddie Mercury's life, basically downplay his... Uh, his uh sexual activity he was officially bisexual but it's in the movie they did not straight watch this movie some people weren't happy with how it was portrayed it's kind of it's a pg-13 version it's very you know i I wouldn't say it's family friendly but it's it's friendlier toward younger viewers i mean if they had gone the way that some people were had wanted it to go it would not have been pg-13 but the music is the music is terrific because it's queen's music and rami malek from mr robot is terrific he channels freddie mercury the uh surviving band members were surprised how well you know how he inhabited freddie mercury and the other kind of fun thing is one of the band members joe uh john deacon who is the bass player is played by Joseph Mazzello, who was little Timmy in Jurassic Park 1. Mm. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So it was like, oh, my gosh! <laughs> People were like, I saw his name in the credits. He was credited as Joe instead of Joseph. But it was he. But he did a great job. I enjoyed it, but... This is an example. You can't tell people what not to like. Yeah. Because it's made a lot of money. It's made, like, well over... I want to say, like, $137 million in America. And... In in the U.S., sorry, it's so far it's grossed over hundred million dollars in the U.S. and more overseas, and the production budget was around sixty. Mm-hmm. So they're gonna make it's gonna make a tiny little oh, profit. That's great. Sorry, <laughs> that that's fantastic. And they did uh, one of the first things I did after I saw the movie was buy the soundtrack because it is Queen's music. They they remastered some of their old hits, and the finale, Act Three, they recreate. Almost the entire Live Aid concert. It's kind of the climax in the movie. And those recordings had not been available at all. So that's an extra bonus for you know people who are concerned about double dipping. You could not get them anywhere else, legally at least. But from here. 
Uh, number three last weekend was Overlord. It's the Nazi undead zombie or vampire or whatever. I have kind of like zero desire to see it. J.J. Abrams produced it, so. Mm. And then a very <laughs> disappointing number four was Girl in the Spider's Web, a.k.a. Uh, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. The, sequ- the sequel to The d- Girl the- with the Dragon Tattoo. Mm-hmm. And in a very there was an interesting article in Variety saying... Why did you recast the lead when your original lead got an Oscar nomination for it? It's almost like, oh, uh, we don't we don't want uh, Rooney Mara, even though she was really good and got critical acclaim. We want Claire Foy because she's the new flavor of the month. She plays the queen, um, or played the queen first two seasons on The Crown. Uh, I didn't like the first movie that much, so I don't plan to see the second one. Just, I didn't, yeah, it wasn't my jam. <laughs> Plus, David Fincher directed the first one, and even if you don't like his movies, they're interesting to watch. Did either of you see that one? Mm-mm. The Girl with the Dragon, dragon Tattoo? Mm-mm. The Girl with no. the Dragon Tattoo. So, interesting. Um, I think you'll probably all have heard Stan Lee died yesterday. Yeah. Now, Tajiana, you're not a real geek, are you? Mm-mm. No. <laughs> Joy, you have some story. You have a little bit of. You're a little into comic books and whatnot, right? A little tiny bit because of you. <laughs> you being my superhero. Full disclosure: cinema. she's taking my superhero cinema class yeah. right now. Um. No. Yeah. When actually, when we discussed it in, in class the other day, I was really heartbroken because um, you were the first person who broke the news to me, and I'm not on. Uh, haven't been on Facebook like that much recently so hearing about that was shocking because i don't know i know he's 95 and that's an old age that's like a blessing to live that long but still he seemed like he was up and kicking and like going out and doing his thing and it was just like no (laughs) i was just really sad it was yeah but may he rest in peace yeah and one of those people that it's like uh, when you think about legends, it's like you're supposed to be immortal. Like you can't leave. Like mm-hmm. you're supposed to live forever. I definitely, even though I'm not like fully immersed in like that community, I definitely like even from the outskirts can still like feel the impact and like, wow, like, geez, a like terrible loss. But like, also look at like all the things that he's touched. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Evidently, he filmed cameos for some of the Marvel Studio movies that have yet to be released. So oh. that'll so be interesting. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of the Marvel stars, as well as Kevin Feige, head of Marvel Studios, had uh, released uh, statements yesterday about his loss. Uh, definitely an institution. And oh, one of the inter- more interesting quotes running around, going around Facebook, was an editorial he had written for Marvel Comics about how you know racism is bad. Mm-hmm. And it's like, go stand. I mean, he was pretty go progressive considering the times the in time which he wrote it. I, yeah. <laughs> and he's, he co-created Black Panther and Falcon, the first black mm-hmm. superhero and the first African-American superhero. Mm-hmm. So, like, go stand. Mm-hmm. Um, you may or may not be aware of this. Last week, uh, Bob Iger announced the Disney Plus streaming service. No. This is, Are they, Yes. This, maybe I did hear. This is their Netflix. Well, I wouldn't say Netflix killer. It's more like budget or wallet killer for those of us who want to see good stuff. So it's Netflix for Disney? Well, it's going to have Disney, mm-hmm. Fox, because 
the the Fox deal is expected to close around January first. Mm-hmm. So all your Disney movies, all your Fox movies, and that is going to include the Lucasfilm archive, oh. the Marvel Studios archive, and uh, I'm sure ABC since Disney owns ABC. What's kind of exciting is they've announced some of the original content. So a lot of good Star Wars stuff, Clone Wars season seven. The final season of Clone Wars will be original to Disney+. Plus. And then we knew they were doing a, a series called The Mandalorian, executive produced by Jon Favreau, who directed Iron Man 1 and 2. But we didn't know, we suspected, but we didn't know for sure, but they just confirmed today that Pedro Pascal from Game of Thrones and Narcos will be the lead of The Man- Mandalorian. And they announced last week that, that Diego Luna... Uh, from Rogue One is going to reprise his role as Cassian Andor for a series. I guess you can call it Rogue Point Five. I don't know. <laughs> JK. Um, and they had also announced, uh, they confirmed that uh, Tom Hiddleston is going to reprise his role as Loki for a miniseries. And they've assigned a writer to craft a Falcon and Winter Soldier miniseries. And they're also talking about doing a Scarlet Witch miniseries. So basically, some of the Marvel characters who might not get their own movie might be getting their own miniseries on hmm. Disney+. Plus. Hopefully they do just as well. <laughs> uh, speaking of Netflix, uh, Netflix has announced that their Mowgli movie, uh, live-action Mowgli movie with Andy Serkis, is going to be released theatrically before it streams on Netflix. Uh, ABC is... Say what? Interesting. I don't, Jungle Book movies are in, in, in. They were talking about making a sequel to the Disney one, but I haven't heard anything recently about that. Speaking of John Favreau, who directed that. Any, either of you see that one? Uh, the live action Jungle Book? No, I haven't, but I, oh, I haven't watched it. Yeah. Didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, <gasps> no. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part, oh, I thought it was well done. Um, what can't think? Uh, Idris Elba. Sexiest Man Alive, by the way. Yes. Uh, Idris Elba voiced Shere Khan. He was one scary Shere Khan. Oh, is that, that the movie. tiger? Oh, yeah. Okay. The, basically the antagonist of the movie. Uh, Bill Bill Murray was Baloo. I can't remember the kid's name, but the kid was great because basically the at the end of the movie, they you know filmed entirely on location in a warehouse in downtown L.A. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all green screen. Yeah. So for a kid to give the performance he did, acting against nothing was pretty amazing. Um, ABC has picked up their new shows, The Kids Are All Right, The Rookie, and Midseason Replacement from last year, splitting up together for full seasons. Uh, I've yet to see The Rookie. I heard good things about it. Nathan Fillion's new show. CW has picked up their reboot of Charmed for the whole season. Has anybody yeah. checked that out yet? Um, no, but I kind of wanted to see it because it, I've seen like maybe a couple episodes of yeah. the 90s. The original uh, Charmed? Charmed, but because I saw it um, for the first time a couple years ago, not while I was a kid in the 90s, I was kind of like, okay, it's hard to get into it because yeah. it's, yeah, the era. and That's old. I, well, it's not. <laughs> I, I was born in the 90s, so. Yeah. But, um, I, I was just like, oh, wow, this one might be, um, interesting because it's, a uh, revamped kind of version, and um, also it's with uh, women of color. So they made the Halliwell sisters uh, Latina. Latina. Yeah, I'm just glad they didn't make them. I'm I'm tired of the uh, stereotype 
of the African-American witches. Because, mm-hmm. like, on, on the CW shows, like, Secret Circle and Vampire Diaries, they always make the witches black. It's mm. like, oh, come on, have some imagination. Really? Oh, yeah. I've only known uh, black witches to be in, like, Vampire Diaries. Yeah, I it. haven't really experienced that, experienced that, but I think maybe that is something that's valid to look at. Because, do you think, oh, <laughs> do you think that it has to do with, like, the, I don't know. Like, tracing back to, like, Haiti, Haiti, Haiti voodoo, Louisiana. Louisiana. Yeah. I think it does. That and, so and like, oh, we are also, your culture in here. Right? Also, um, um, American Horror Story did a whole thing oh, with yeah, uh, that's right. one of the historical witches from right. that area. I just think it's, uh, I think it's a bad stereotype slash trope, and it gets old. To be fair, Secret Circle did have witches of all colors, but still, you had, you know, this whole thing with the... Uh, the black witch and her family and i'm like oh come on i find that just really interesting because usually when it comes to tv shows or movies doing something about witches it goes back to salem witch trials and Mm. i feel like um even though the salem witch trials was like a long time ago of course but it was only a few people who were killed i believe not a whole lot I think it was only like a small. Um... Well, in the Salem witch trials, um, Tichiba, one of the slave girls, was okay. the one that some of the Anglo girls yeah. claimed yes. taught them how to do certain things. Oh, okay. So, but, but, um, <laughs> but um, anywho, it, usually when it goes back to the Salem witch trials, I feel like all the characters are white. And then when um, they do have a black witch in there, it's usually. Oh, voodoo and Haiti. And that's what mm-hmm. I remember about um, American Horror Story Coven. Mm-hmm. Um, it was all um, taking place in Louisiana. So in a way, I was like, oh, that makes sense because they do a lot of that down there. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's still practice today. Probably not so much. Okay, I looked it up. Quick, okay. to the Google cave. Yes. <laughs> 13 people died, 12 were hanged, and Giles Corey was pressed to death while being interrogated. He refused to confess, and when asked to confess, would only reply with, quote, more weight, end quote. So that was reproduced accurately in Arthur Miller's play, The Crucible. Which we did um, a production of here. Yes, we did. It was quite good. It was really good. One of my best friends, Jada Smith, played Tituba. Tituba? Yeah, it was really good. It was interesting how they did it. And it was really good. <laughs> uh, definitely attention grabbing for sure. So, you know that that story will always will always live. People are always latching onto that story. But yeah. Speaking of witches, have either of you seen Netflix's The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina? I feel like I didn't know this was a thing, oh. or maybe I did. I think I might have heard about it, but. Is it already? It's being released, or it's, it's oh yeah, released. it's oh, yeah. The, it came out the first before Halloween, the right? first half of season one dropped right or right around Halloween, oh, give or wow. give okay. or take. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was created to be a companion piece slash quasi spinoff of Riverdale. It's from the same mm-hmm. producers, really? the same oh, ethos. <laughs> same ethos. Because in the comics, Sabrina was an Archie character. Mm-hmm. My issue, I I watched the pilot. My issue with the show is they made them full-on Satan-worshipping witches. And I'm like, really? Really? I mean... Was that in the comic books, though? Uh, 
I haven't read the the Chilling New Adventures comic book, which evidently this is based on and created by the guy who wrote the comic. Mm. But in the original animated version from the 70s and in the 90s sitcom with Melissa Joan Hart, <laughs> no, that is not what they were. Um, so I was just, it's really dark. <laughs> Really dark. I want to see it now. <laughs> no, I, I was I was a bit curious too, but a part of me um was like, okay, this looks interesting, but I don't feel like watching it right now. Oh. And then another part of me was like, I don't know if I want to for two reasons. One, because I love the one uh, the nineties witch was oh, Melissa yeah. Joan Hart. Yeah, this was, this ain't yeah, Melissa Joan Hart. And I'm just like, this one is probably going to ruin it for me because it's not that at all. It's not going to be the same it's type not. of thing. And on top of that, I remember when I watched American Horror Story Coven and I got, like, I'm not scared by horror or anything like that. That scared me because I knew I was like, that is legit witchcraft and that is so scary. And I was just like, I don't know if I could do this, but... um. I'm just kind of like, if I've seen Coven, maybe this one won't be as bad, but I'm just going to probably, like, pray a bunch before I watch it. <laughs> like, should I watch it and pray after? And just be like, okay, I don't know if I should continue. Well, Bella, one of one of your classmates, has been watching it, but she says she has to pray after each episode. And it's, it's like, why are you doing that? You're, that's my thing. Why are you doing that to yourself? I mean, if it's that really dark and... I think just some people can handle it, and then sometimes if a story is really that good, you might want to continue it. But like even Kim Maldonado, who uh, graduated, oh, I know Kim. Yeah, she watches it, and she was like, "I don't know if I want to do it, but I'm too invested already." <laughs> yeah, already once you, she's once invested. you get started, you feel obligated to. Yeah. Change. Oh, that and, I don't. Yeah. She's like, I think you might like See, that's it. Healthy. <laughs> that's healthy. I don't. Yeah, I she, watched uh, like the first five or six episodes of American. Horror Story Season 1, Murder House, is, mm -hmm. they went back and retitled for Season 1. And I'm like, yeah, no. I'm like, I don't need to watch this. I don't need this in my life. Yeah. It wasn't, to me, Murder House wasn't that bad. I thought Coven was the like, well, scariest. Episode. Quoting great horror films does not make you a great horror TV show. That was my issue with Murder House. I see. Because it's like, hey, we're doing an homage to this and that and that. It's like, how about you tell your own story, people? I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. even McKenna Bra. Uh, watches Sabrina and she loves it. She talks about how funny it is, but she's like, if you're, you can like deal with that kind of humor, just like how sarcastic and they dark. can be in like, but also how they just throw it out there like, uh, like it's nothing. Some of the <laughs> things they say, and she's like, if you can handle that, then it's funny. But if you can't, then it's not for you. Yeah. I'm McKenna. <laughs> I I was just surprised. I mean, watching the first, watching the pilot. That you know they were oh oh speaking of which well they're Satan worshiping witches but the the interesting thing is they've got enemies on both sides because the Christians are mad that it exists period mm -hmm. and that it, and that it is literally satanic mm -hmm. however comma the Satanists are suing them because evidently there is a famous statue that the show reproduces but they didn't have rights to mm -hmm. and so there's this whole thing. It's like uh, that's interesting, but I yeah. even heard that there were some people who were mad, and one person it was a comment um, someone had made online. They said like this is just disrespectful because not all witches were satanic. My grandmother was a witch, but she was a Christian, and I was like, how could you be a witch and a Christian at the same time? That uh, that's like such a 
juxtaposition. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, is that a thing? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I guess it's up to like some people's like, I don't know what they're practicing. And then like, I don't know, the area, like geographically also. I don't know. I think that's, that's very hard because people interpret things differently. And it's like, what I'm doing is not wrong. And it's like, yes, it is. And it's like, no, it's not. So it's, it's hard. It's really hard. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, let's c- talk about our feature story, uh, 2018 Urban Cinema. And there's four movies, not including Black Panther, which we can talk about. I think everybody's seen it, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Of course we have. But in no particular order, The Hate You Give, which has come out the most recently, mm-hmm. Black Klansman, Blind Spotting, and Sorry to Bother You, all of which are now available on home video in DVD and or Blu-ray. Um, how many of those have you seen? I've seen all of them. Uh, I've had to like stop on some. Um, well, actually, yeah, I had to stop at a certain point of Black Klansman just like personally. Um, but I've seen the rest of the films. How about you, Joy? I've always seen The Hate You Give, but I read um, up on Black Klansman, Blind Spotting, and Sorry to Bother You. So I read the rest on my Wikipedia. So you. So the hate you give is the one that all of us have seen. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let's let's start with we that one. That together. Oh, yes, with um, BSA. So. Oh, I, that's right. That's right. You guys, uh, BSA sponsored a screening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we. Um, hello, it's your Black Student Association president here. Um, hey. No, we, we, hey. <laughs> no, we um, rented out the theater across the street and gave students the opportunity to just like this is really like a time of fellowship because the um, last year's board did the same thing with. Um, the screening of Black Panther, which was like completely sold out. Um, so we went to go see The Hate You Give, and I definitely feel like it was a much needed story. Um, and a lot of the people who were there, um, we had sort of like mixed feelings, I feel like. Like a lot of, the, I heard some members like, I'm not going to go see the movie because I know it's going to be triggering for me. Or, like, I already know the narrative. Like, I don't feel like it's necessary for me to go watch this. Mm-hmm. Or, like, people are like, you know what? You know, people who are down for the cause are like, yeah, I'm going to, like, go and support the story. Um, so I feel like it was, like, only within the community of people who, like, are invested in, like, social justice. And um, a lot of people who deal with, like, criminal justice reform and things like that were like, yes, let's go support, guys. And then everyone else was like, did y'all hear something? So... <laughs> I don't know. It's mixed things, and then some people didn't like parts of the story. Some people thought it was really good. So, yeah. I thought it was really uh, the thing that I really the story is important, obviously, yeah. because of what's going on. Um, I really liked how it kind of puts Star, our lead, in this. She's been code switching just out of habit because to. I mean, that was it was in all the trailers. That when she's home, she's herself, air quotes, she's herself. But when she's at this affluent, private, mostly white school, she's a... She's star version two. And then over the course of the movie, she's got to reconcile these two parts of her identity. Mm -hmm. Um, Speaking of Riverdale, the guy who plays Archie, Kai... Played yeah. played her boy, plays her Anglo boyfriend, who's like the best boyfriend ever in the movie. Um, 
That was so hard to watch. Yeah. <laughs> Going from Riverdale to that. That was just really rough. And then having Sabrina Carpenter in there was just like really rough also. Because like knowing she's the complete opposite in real life. Mm-hmm. But she did so... a good job playing it oh, kind of yeah. clueless. Hates her. Clueless. I mean, she wasn't completely detestable, but she was yeah. just, she had a big yeah. blind spot for certain yeah. things. Ha <laughs> um, I thought that um, the thing that surprised me is that Anthony Mackie was willing to do a role. Anthony Mackie plays Falcon, of course, in the Marvel movies, but he's the bad guy. I mean, yeah. he and he is a bad guy. He is evil, for lack of a better word. Uh, he tries to kill people in Star's family. Yeah. I mean, it's just including her. Yeah. So I thought that was really, that's a sign of a great actor when they're willing to take a role that goes against the screen persona they've cultivated in a certain yeah. role. Um, and I thought the cast uniformly was terrific. Oh, yeah. So amazing. I even thought, like, the story uh, was just brilliant because I honestly thought it was just going to be centered around uh, Khalil and uh, his death. But the fact that they involved so much more than what I was mm-hmm. expecting, it just took me by surprise and just had me on the edge of my seat the entire time. Yeah. One of the things I thought was interesting is they had a lot of compassion for different people throughout. Mm-hmm. That the only exactly. person who was really the villain was this criminal played by Anthony Mackie. Everybody else had a valid re- I mean, even, um, oh, the, when uh, the mom, was that Reg- Reg- Regina? Hall. Was that Regina Hall? Regina or, Hall. Yeah, that was Regina Hall. Hall. Played the mom. Basically, she's got a half brother because she and the father were separated for a while. And while while they were separated, he had a fling that resulted in the child. So her, but the half brother pretty much lives in their household. Yeah. And the mother, Star asks her mom about it, and her mom says, explains the situation, and says, "I forgave him." I mean, I thought that was powerful. That love includes forgiveness, and you're not a victim when you mm-hmm. can make positive choices and. You know, forgive your husband and ex- and raise this child of his that's not technically yours as your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, for me, I thought based off the trailer, I I felt like it showed too much. So I was like, oh gosh, this is going to be so horrible. It's not going to be well done. They're going to do the book a disservice. Um, Have I you read, read the book? I haven't read the book, but I heard that they changed um, some things here and there, um, but. Um, I'm planning on reading it over break, but um, I thought that it did a really good job of like expanding the conversation, like like you guys were saying, like hitting on um, uh, what's called common his character, um, how being mm-hmm. a black police officer, that whole conversation of like even mm-hmm. having that like ingrained you know prejudice within yourself, mm-hmm. and just like the different relationships of like growing up in the hood and like that repetitive cycle um and then like exploring you know the kids characters of like having the talk which is also highlighted in um blind spotting as well um i thought it just touched on so many different things and there's once we get through all of them but like there is so much overlapping between these four stories Mm -hmm. like little nuances here and there that are like highlighted that it's like oh that's really necessary so it's not just like oh they're all the same it's like Yo, <laughs> they have so many nuances, but yeah. Since you mentioned blind spotting, uh, let's segue to talk a little bit about that. 
A very similar situation where blind spotting opens with David Diggs' character witnessing uh, the death of, I guess it was nobody he knew, but it was yeah. just he witnesses this guy being gunned down by a cop, yeah. and it just completely messes him up in the head. Yeah. And he's on probation. He's almost finished with his probation, so it's like his last weekend or whatever, mm -hmm. or last few days. Yeah, like three or four days. I think. And he's got a, his bestie is Anglo, but really wants to be black, <laughs> uh, which I'd never seen that actor before. But he was really good. He was, he was really so good. he was really impressive. Uh, I have to look Google him while we yeah, uh, when we hit a low. But the whole movie kind of focuses on him trying to get to the end of his probation without, you know, without fall falling with, back without without recidivism. And also, there's this simmering conflict between him and his best friend, because evidently, maybe his best friend should have been arrested with them, but wasn't. So that's why he feels kind of this compulsion to, to be by his to side, be by his side yeah. with everything. And it's not a perfect film, mm -hmm. and it's a little heavy-handed in places. Oh, yeah. But there are a couple of sequences where I'm, it, they're just stunning. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, I don't want to name them all. I want people to go see it. Yeah. But um, the scene with the, the scene with the kid. Oh, Woo! yeah. Mm. I, that's the part when I had to stop. So I had to like pause my computer. Oh, you were, because, you were watching it. On... Yeah. I had to prepare my, and obviously if I was like in the theater, I wouldn't have been able to do that. But like. I, I was like, yo, gun violence is real. I couldn't, I couldn't like take it. I had to pause. I had to like breathe. I was like, okay. And then I had to like continue. But in the they, theater, yeah. you could hear pin drop because, uh, spoil, semi spoiler alert. Mm -hmm. Uh, basically the besties young son, the besties got a gun. Mm -hmm. His girlfriend, his mm -hmm. living girlfriend, does not know that he has a gun. Mm -hmm. The gun is in the house. The gun is left unattended. The little, the child, the little boy, gets a hold of the gun. Mm -hmm. And it's, whoo, it's yeah. intense. Yeah. It's an intense moment. And, yeah, it's, whoo. Would you say that it was similar to, I guess, semi-spoiler, um, The Hate You Give? In. that's the moment that i thought of mm, um okay that moment in the hate you give with um oh, I forgot oh with the with name. with the younger sakani sakani mm -hmm. that i was like you guys I it's can't. It's, yeah. it's a younger child in sakani yeah he's oh. even, he's, I, he's even like smaller he's like three or four yeah he's i mean a, he's he's a, baby. he's a toddler basically or um, or just okay. or, or you know preschool kindergarten age and this is the main character's friend. This is the main character's friend's, friend's son. son. So okay, like him and his girlfriend had a, had a child. Because when 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 the little brother in uh, Hate You Give gets mm -hmm. the gun, he's fully he knows exactly what he wants to kill this guy mm -hmm. who's been threatening he's his aware, family. And he's yeah he's aware of what's going on. But this like little boy, they you know his dad is like over here talking about you know injustice and um, you know. Um, towards black people in terms of like dealing with you know police and authority and um the well this is like semi also but like it has the same moment of like 
the talk, but like he's so young, you can't really have the talk. And it's like, hey, don't talk about this type mm-hmm. of stuff. He may, you know, start to understand or start to listen. And it's like that becomes a reality because you'll see later on in the at the end of um, blind spotting, it comes to light of like, oh, shoot, he is listening and like he is being taught. And so that that the talk, that whole piece of like having the talk with a young black child about how to deal with police at such a young age when it's like they barely know how to tie their shoes but like you're having the talk and it's not about the birds and bees Mm -hmm. that is like the way that they did that in blind spotting and the hate you give was so like yeah it was so good so Um, it's is his friend named miles or is it the um colin for for uh blind spotting because i read i think so on uh I shall look it up. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. Also on another note, I think it's very interesting how a lot of people are making films um, centered around Oakland now. Um, yeah. Also, yeah. Just me being a Bay Area native, I'm like, oh, so now y'all want to talk Oakland about movies. Oakland. Yeah, and glorify it. I think um, I'm not an Oakland native, but like my church is in Oakland and it's like, it's like home number two to me. I mm-hmm. like live right next door. Mm-hmm. And so like, just seeing like Oakland, not even totally being portrayed in like a negative light, but like getting shed light period is like, oh, that's very empowering to see like you shedding light on this community. And then it's like, oh, this is a surplus because, you know, after Black Panther, obviously having Ryan Coogler being an Oakland native mm-hmm. and then like- And Fruitvale Station before that. And Fruitvale Station, right, correct. And like that whole piece and like how that leads into like, oh yeah, Oakland, let's make multiple narratives. And so like, I'm sorry to bother you and- blind spotting or revolve around um oakland which is so interesting it is Uh miles okay yeah it is miles uh the without i don't want to spoil more of the movie i would just say it's not a perfect film but there are some stunning moments in it and i really want to see more Mm -hmm. from this filmmaker yeah i thought that they kind of overdid the this is oakland piece a little bit too much like um colin didn't really need to wear <laughs> oakland usa <laughs> like, we got it we got day. it we got it like mm-hmm. pieces like that where i was like um i yeah i would have taken some of those out but i think they the inserts were really nice um i really love the inserts of like showing the community and everything like that um but those it gave me a little bit of get out vibes um with the interaction with the um guy who um uh, spoiler but uh, <laughs> you know what happens what we talked about before um when that interaction happens between colin and that guy um before he has the police encounter that moment where they like pause and look at each other mm-hmm. i was like jordan peele's here he's here he's present <laughs> like it was so interesting and like scary because the way that he looked at him before he ran off mm-hmm. it was so much like one of the characters in um like the maids in uh or get the servants out and, and get out and then, like, just the other moments with, like, in the in the cemetery, mm-hmm. that whole piece was also, like, I got a lot of Get Out vibes from moments like that. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, way to stir it up um, and put people, you know, at the edge of their seat. It was really weird and eerie, but it, it was nice. Since you mentioned um, another segue, uh, Sorry to Bother You. Joy, you haven't seen it yet. No, I just read up on it, and it was really interesting. Dang. It's. <laughs> I was. Like, I don't know how I serious? feel about it. But... The, the the thing with this movie, me. and and this is one where we really don't want to spoil yeah. one of the major twists. But 
it starts off kind of being this satire on, you know, your 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 main character mm-hmm. is getting into telemarketing. Yeah. And so, and plus, evidently, Tessa Thompson has in her contract that she must be in almost every movie this year. Because <laughs> she's, she's in Creed 2. She's yeah. in, she's in Sorry to Bother You. But, so, he... The way they sold this movie is this this guy gets a job telemarketing, and then Danny Glover is the older, wizened telemarketer yeah, I says, wasn't "Use that. your white voice." Yeah. What? Use yeah. your white voice. You'll make more sales. <laughs> and so that's where the movie starts, and they they do use Anglo actors to be the white voices of these black characters. Yeah. Oh, okay. And prominent Anglo actors <laughs> at, at that. Yeah. And then it just goes off into. Something. It takes a hard left turn I into. Just, I don't know what. I I have no. Did it work for you? I don't know. It like I have to like. I feel like I have to watch it again because I feel like I missed certain things, and also like I didn't um get I didn't get all the way through to the end. Um, the direction that it started to head, I was like very confused. I was like, why? Um, I like the momentum that it was going, but um, I don't know. I like um, I like the actors in the film, so that kind of made it e- easier to bear because I feel like if they're, I don't know. I feel like if the casting complement each other, um, then I would have I would have been disappointed. But um, yeah. Oh wait, also Lakeith was in uh, Get Out as well, huh? He was the guy. Oh, um, yes, because I was, was looking like, at uh-huh. pictures of that, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. So there's oh, a lot of, just, you know, yeah. I mean, there's only so many black actors. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. So some of us are just going to be in every black film. No, but um, I thought it was I thought it was a very interesting approach. Um, the artistry is really unique in terms of like um, the way that the concepts and like how you how that bleeds into like how you do your shots. Thought it was really interesting. I have a question. And Lakeith plays Cassius. Yeah. Who's mm-hmm. our Cassius Cass- Green? Yeah. Um, uh, okay, so like I said, I didn't see the movie. I just read on it. Um, I'm not gonna say what happens, but you guys know what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, how was that shot? Was that like animated or was that like? CGI, like how did they shoot those? It wasn't the most realistic thing, but it didn't. They didn't really care. That's not what the point is. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Army Hammer, um, Academy Award nominee for uh, oh, what was that thing called? The thing with him and uh, the kid. Uh, I'm blanking on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays kind of like this boss from hell or some other dimension. <laughs> but uh, Steve Lift, I think, is the character's name. But he runs the telemarketing firm. And, yeah, he's part of that very strange where did this come from plot twist. Mm-hmm. I mean, Boots Riley, who I guess before this was known mostly for music videos. I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's an audacious feature debut yeah that's a big like you're making a big stand there but you know it's it's one of those where it did it work for you was it it like sort of kind of very avant-garde kind of film i wouldn't well it's just strange i wouldn't call it avant-garde it's just strange it's just like it it just goes off into this weird almost science fiction-y 
type territory. We should show that in class. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think that'll be better than what we watched today. No, no. that's not. I, I mean, that's the thing is great art stands the test of the time versus not that this is for the moment, mm-hmm. although it is for this particular moment in American history, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whatever you think of A Clockwork Orange, it is for the ages. Uh, but oh. this film, uh, sorry to bother you, they it wasn't like Lord of the Rings CGI kind of. No, 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 no it wasn't that. It was it, they weren't trying to be realistic. Okay. <laughs> just, just watch it. We'll watch it together. Okay. Because um, I need to watch it again and all the way through. But yeah, I love the intersection between these films. I don't know, because it kind of keeps you like thinking of multiple narratives constantly. Um, I remember in Black Klansman, one of the white actors... For some, I forgot um, around what scene it was, but he said the line, sorry to bother you, but, and then it was like, <laughs> oh, um, no. they're well, coming out around the same time, and then it's just like when you have those intersections. But that's a common phrase, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It, that's why I was like, like it... hmm, how would they have like written written it where they could have gotten that same message across, but without using that line? Well, maybe um, it was like their little inside joke. No. I don't know. I mean, it could have been. I mean, they kind of came, I, I really came doubt out close, close together. So I'm like, even though it is a common phrase, they could have just been like, yeah, we're putting it in there. Spike doesn't, yeah. use, Spike doesn't usually play that. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because Spike Lisa, I'm like, I don't know. But I thought, I just thought that re- regardless of if it was intentional or not, I just thought that that was cool how there's like, oh, intersection, like just like making notes like that. I just, I don't know. These films are very interesting, very inspiring. Well, they're, they're <laughs> all birthed from the fact that all of these were released in 2018. Yeah, you know we are at a very specific moment in time, and Where they all of these allow them to have the green light. <laughs> all, all of these, all of these address the issues that we, as African Americans, are dealing with and have dealt with. Mm-hmm. But this, it's interesting that this nexus and the fact that so many of the, I mean, these four films came out in the span of what, like three months, maybe yeah. if that three or. Uh, yeah, I'd say. Because Hate You Give was September, right? Black. Was it that far? I thought it was October. If it was October, it was like in the beginning of October. You know what? I think and it was probably like the beginning, middle of October. I mean, mm. you can look it up. <laughs> <laughs> Quick to the Google Cave. Right. Um, to the Google Cave. The um, Black Klansman. I can't remember if we talked about this a little bit with uh, before on the podcast. My disappointment with this movie is the trailer. Is I mean, it's it's solid filmmaking. Mm-hmm. I will say that. Mm-hmm. However, comma the tone promised in the trailer is not the tone delivered by the movie. For which one? For Black Klansman, because the trailer delivers this tongue in cheek you know biting satire and the movie itself is very heavy-handed and not subtle whatsoever mm. i think i told one friend uh, it's as subtle as the brick that mookie throws through the wall through the through the window <laughs> south pizzeria and do the right thing Dang. okay so would you like recommend people watching it then you know it's worth seeing mm-hmm. for me Sorry. John um I liked John I like John David Washington as an actor even before I found out that who his parents are. Denzel is his dad, Palance his mom. Oh wow. Uh, but I thought for me acting the real revelation was Adam Driver. 
because when he has to go undercover in person, yeah. Adam Driver has to play. Is that Kylo Ren? Kylo Ren, yes, Kylo Ren. I didn't know his real name. (laughs) (laughs) So, and his his life is truly in danger. Mm -hmm. And the character of the character, the real life person is is Jewish. Mm -hmm. And so somebody asks him while he's undercover, You're not Jewish, are you? And he, (laughs) he of course, lies. How would you know that? But it's just. but there's real tension when he's undercover because a these people are crazy and b if his cover gets blown he's dead mm-hmm. they will kill him mm-hmm. um by the way the hate you give came out october 5th uh-huh. and then um blind spotting actually came out in july um i did not realize that. so july august september october so basically yeah. basically the span of three months yeah so july time, august september, september october. october yeah because um, Black Klansman came out in August. In mid Augustish. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see Black Klansman uh, for one reason, only because I thought it was going to be similar, like very similar to that movie. Um, I think it's called Imperium with Daniel Radcliffe when he kind of goes undercover to um, uh, expose the KKK. It hmm. came out a few years ago, but. Um, yeah, he it, and it was based on a true story as well. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah, people have done that in real life, which is really yeah. scary. There's, like, documentaries and stuff on Netflix. But yeah. but yeah. Ron, the Ron Stallworth story, I mean, true story, I heard uh, him on NPR. By the way, he still carries his clan ID card in his wallet. I heard about that. I'm like, that. dude, yeah. really? Really? Come on. Let it yeah. go. <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> it's just weird. Yeah, <laughs> that that was kind of interesting for a while. Now it's just plain weird, dude. Yeah, no, it's the same thing about the a guy. I think his name is Daryl Davis, who like befriends Klansmen and a lot. Yes. And then uh, he was... still keeps their robes like in his oh. house. And I'm just oh, like, oh, this this is the this is the uh, the musician, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I've, I've heard his story on NPR yeah, as well. Uh, he has Too a Netflix documentary called uh accidental courtesy and how like these clans members uh leave the clan and but they mm-hmm. give him their robes and a lot of why does he like, keep them burn them because he says he says that it's memorabilia or like no of, like what he, i accomplished no he says like no matter what it's a part of history and we don't burn our history and i'm just like oh, you tried to burn it metaphorically bolshevik <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, I will light the match. That's an exactly. internal problem within yourself. That you need Seriously. And honestly, just him saying like, oh, I want to create a museum and put stuff in a museum. I'm like, okay, no. They already have it in museums. Speaking exactly. of which, mm-hmm. I did a civil rights tour They got the plenty of copies, so you can burn <laughs> they them. They have <laughs> copies there. I seen it. We looked. We said, okay, and we turned away. I forgot where we were, but it was in like the Jim Crow South. Wherever we were, but yeah, go on the Silver Rights tour if you can, because um, you will see things my, like that. But my church does that. Yeah, I was like, yeah, keep it in the case. Moving on to the next hallway. <laughs> so, um, we, we've touched a little bit on each of these movies. Do you think it's because of where we are as a nation right now that this is kind of bubbled up to the surface, up to the surface in terms of? You know, some of our most gifted uh, established, in the case mm-hmm. of Spike Lee, up oh, and yeah. coming, in the case of Boots Riley, mm-hmm. f- filmmakers feel they've got to address this somehow. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think definitely because of, um, I don't know, people feel like we are falling backwards. Um, some people say it's worse than it was in the past. Some people say we're falling backwards. So, like, 
um, just like the current state that our nation is in right now, I think people feel like, okay, yes, like we have to tell these stories because like it, it just catches your attention and allows people to be aware like, hey, this is actually going on. And like the reason why I'm so passionate about like getting into like making these types of films is because people are more receptive to talk about things and have conversations when it's from art. Like I knew people who were like, like in particular, like white people who would never talk about race and they went to go see Get Out and they were like, so what did you think about? And it's like, thank you. Now conversation. So I think it's very, very much needed. Um, I'm very, I'm very happy that they're doing it. And it's like, if you say, Hey, can I, you know, it's 2018. Can I please make this story? And it's like, you put your ear out the door. I'm kicking down the door. So like, I think that's like this momentum is like, okay, you opened it up a little bit. It's going to, people are going to come like blessing through. So, um, yeah, it's very inspiring. And I like, um, especially even though I'm talking about the first half of, sorry to bother you, but like, I, um, I really liked how they stylized that with like the white voices because Mm -hmm. I did, I made, so for 260, we had a 260 digits, right? Yes, we did. Two, some, uh, two falls ago. Last fall. Um, and the last film that I made was, um, about like discrimination in the workplace. So like the main character he's a black male who changes um he gives a false name that sounds more acceptable um by society in order to get an interview and then when he gets the interview it's like oh we're not hiring you and then it's like this like comedic play on like oh i have to like be white in order to like even get into this job because they won't hire me because they see oh your name is andre i don't know how i feel about that and Mm so um I just thought, I was like, oh, this is so cool. And, like, that sort of, like, when I made that film was, like, sort of the catalyst for, like, oh, gosh, like, imagine how much further I can, like, go. Um, And, like, that was just, like, at least the first half of, sorry to bother you, but, like, that was just very inspiring to see and, like, how they stylized that. But, yeah, I think all the films are really needed. Of course, always room for improvement, but getting the stories out there. So, I think it's good. Have you ever seen Eddie Murphy's short film, White Like Me, he made for SNL years ago? I think I think I have. You have to yeah, check that out. yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he did he go around? Um, Where he goes undercover. Undercover. As yeah. A white person. Yes. It's hilarious. <laughs> yes, it was so funny. My mom showed me that a while ago. But I have to agree. I uh, I do think this is needed as well, especially like um, it can be a bit disheartening when um, you have people saying things like, "Oh my gosh, do we need another film like that?" And the only reason to get rid of racism if it's if we stop talking about it. And it's like, no we need to talk about it mm-hmm. and you know kind of like what Taji said if you stick your ear out the door you gotta like open that door yeah. and just, it's like okay now listen yeah <laughs> you know because um it goes on with us but uh we also should be opening to listen to other people too in their stories like um mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure i think there are going to be a lot of more films with lgbt um oh yeah there's mm-hmm. some coming out yeah and i know lizzie, a lot of short films too. yeah i know lizzie i think is out or came out it was about lizzie borden and it was like a more um it was a it, yeah it's a different story about like why she killed her parents but um yeah <laughs> i i didn't i didn't watch it but i was like oh that's interesting because they're giving her a reason because i don't think anybody really knew except for she was crazy crazy. (laughs) or possessed but but they gave her a different reason but there are like other movies coming out and it's just kind of you know everybody's gotta get their story out there at some point you have to yeah just like 
I think this is good for us. And it's like, hey, come on, we're talking about it because it needs to be talked about and it's serious. I would really like to see a film by a black female filmmaker in this. <laughs> well, no. De- de- dealing dealing with some of these issues. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're because Ava, Ava could definitely do it. I, I think she can. I mean, going more from like documentary. Yeah. Yeah, she did Soma. Mm-hmm. Um, I think going if she, I would be interested to see her like go more into like like these like weirder storylines. Like I think that would be really interesting. Going from like making a very serious documentary like Thirteenth and then putting that more in a like. I don't know, just throwing it, you know, like mixing it up and like starting it over and like she's, telling the narrative from like one of these crazy. She's in negotiations with Netflix to make a, a Prince documentary. Oh, which would be interesting. Wow. Okay. But still, I would like to see her tackle something of the caliber of these films yeah. because I think she's got uh, uh, Riley and the filmmakers of Blind Spotting were rough around the edges, mm-hmm. but still had worthwhile things to say. But she's so something more tasteful. Um, just something a little bit more, I had to say linear, more s- traditional, hmm. perhaps. Okay. Maybe from a Issa woman's Rae? point of view. <laughs> say what? Issa Rae. Maybe she could, I know she's not a, a like, she, she, she's made, um, she's she more, a web series and then like short films. She, yeah, she's more of a writer, but, writer, actor yeah. than director. Maybe yeah. even Megan Good, because she actually directed a music video. I'd like to see, um, oh, she could, what? uh, direct a film. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for joining me. Yes. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. This was a lot of fun. And y'all have a good Thanksgiving, as well as you out there in uh, podcast land. <laughs> Take care.